Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. to the one the only hog talk podcast we are part of believe and buzz radio networks where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as buzz to 106.7 in central arkansas so please like rate and review our podcast i'm your host porter hayes of sports and culture arkansas and all live shows are presented by arkansas brewing company in ozark arkansas as well as bet online which remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season everything from the super bowl to esports Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events, so head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts, and we will go now to our buddy. The guru, Kevin Bohannon, um, to preview the Arkansas baseball season. I know that right now a lot of people are probably watching the Super Bowl right now, which is 19, it is uh, 24-21 Eagles. So, Kevin, thank you for joining, man. You bet. Good to be back. I'm uh, excited. We're five days away from first pitch. And uh, went into last fall with a lot of questions. Those questions got answered. And now this is a top-10 team. Uh, how they finish the year, you don't know. But going into it, I like the way they look. There's a lot of good young talent on this team. And when when you get good young talent, though, it, it's really good because you, you mesh that with transfer talent now. And that's, you know, the, the rental players like Michael Turner and those guys. Um, but at some point, uh, you, that's what Coach Van Horn, he's been surprised by all the chemistry of this team. So I'm excited to talk about them a little bit more tonight. Yeah, and of course, you know, last year, you know, couldn't get the double dip over Ole Miss last year. You beat them 3-2 and then lose 2 nothing in the College World Series. But to – to I was talking to a buddy of mine, and people really don't realize how hard it is to get to Omaha. Um, in football, you, you can get lucky and win a game against somebody, and it almost be like you upset in Alabama. Well, then you got to do it two more times, or you got to do it three yeah. more times. So you get to the the especially with what they had with their pitching staff last year, you know you've got to have a solid three to four guys you can go to when you get to the regionals, super regionals, and then Omaha. So you're really battle tested, and these guys play you know fifty sixty games before they even get there. So yeah, they're starting off the season against Texas in the college baseball classic. Um, so yeah, um, I guess just. You know, we had some unfortunate news about Wiggins, and, and I guess you can elaborate more on that and what happened. But, you know, not a, not a way you really want to start your season off with, with someone that has so much promise. Yeah, and Arkansas fans feel like they're snake bit at this point because this is the second straight year that they've lost their Friday night guy. And Jackson was going to be their Friday night guy. Uh, Coach Van Horn had said as much. You know, he went into the fall, completely different guy, had command. He, Struck out 22 over 12 innings and only walked two. Um, under one ERA, he was just a different guy. He was that guy that a lot of fans and scouts were thinking, this guy could be special if he ever reaches his potential. And 
he was ready to do that. That was his goal from day one was to be the Friday night guy. And even as a freshman, that's what he wanted to do. So um, I hate it for him, but the, they do have the luxury of saying next. Um, they'll keep Jackson in his prayers and everything. So they don't have the, the d- details on everything, how long the recovery is going to be. But um, I would say, and for every, all the listeners out there, it would be very surprising to me if Jackson ever pitches again for the Arkansas Razorbacks. I think he's. I think he'll get drafted high enough and get a signing bonus where he needs to get uh, and become a millionaire uh, next July. So, um, now when you say next, who who is next? So uh, we we know Hagen Smith's going to be the Friday night guy. Willie Mack, Will, Will McIntyre uh, is going to be the number two, probably starting on Saturday against TCU. But who's going to be number three? Okay, so you look at Hunter Holland, the lefty from San Jacinto. He's six five. Uh, runs it up there, ninety two, ninety four. Really good uh, off speed as well. Like a good curveball slider combination. And they could throw the change up from that lefty. So I, I bet he will be your third guy next weekend in Arlington. I'm I'm excited to get down there and see them play. Uh, but you open against Texas, who's not even ranked, which is, I mean, ranked. I, and I'm going by D1Baseball.com. Okay. I, I thought you know, obviously you know, with, with those guys and everything, you want to. <laughs> There's six different polls you can talk oh, yeah, from. So, uh, well, the D1 one on baseball. the website says they're 19th. So. Uh, com, of course, Arkansas is ranked number eight. TCU's not ranked. Oh, TCU's ranked 15th, excuse me. And then Oklahoma State's not. So you got a team that you had to go to Stillwater and beat them last year. That was a lot of fun for a regional. Yeah. Uh, we all know the you know how, how all that happened. You know, um, the, the home runs were massive. And, you know, Jalen battles into the night. You know, that was a big deal. So – Oklahoma State's going to be good. They got their middle infield back. Rock Riggio and Marcus Brown, that's one of the better, you know, double play combos in the nation. Uh, they're, they're up there with Robert Moore and Jalen Battles, as far as I'm concerned. They can both pick it and they can both hit it. So, uh, they got Nolan McLean back. He's the – they're moving him out to left the outfield. He was playing third base. He's going to be their closer again. So, uh, they, they don't have Justin Campbell. He was their ace last, the last two years. So, but they've they got some good young talent. They're going to be good. TCU, uh, always good. Uh, Kirk Sarlos, longtime assistant, took over for Jim Schlossnagel. Uh, so that team's going to be really good. Schlossnagel's got a top five Texas A&M team now. So uh, that old school TCU coaching staff, they're still doing a lot of good things down there. And, and Texas is kind of an unknown. They they did lose a pitcher to Tommy John. They lost. It was a little lefty that they got. So. Uh, Coach Van Horn knows they're going to come out and play hard because it's always a good matchup when Texas plays. But uh, I like Arkansas's chances to go down there and make some noise this weekend. It'll be a good good barometer on where they're at. It'll be better than last year. I do know that. You know, I know, no offense against Indiana, Louisiana Lafayette, and Stanford, who they ended up seeing again in the College World Series. But it's different playing these Big 12 teams. Well, and, and I wanted to ask you about the, the whole Wiggins thing. And if you're, you know, coming into offseason and you're getting your reps, you're the Friday night guy, what is the difference between your preparation, between being that Friday night guy, the Saturday night guy, and the Sunday guy? I mean, is there any difference at all in preparation? Or can you really just be next guy up and you just move your, your reps or your mindset to being the number one guy opposed to the Saturday guy? The, there's an added – pressure to it because you know that runs are going to be at a at a minimum uh, you know and that's the biggest thing so it, it plays with your psyche and the mental side of the game that's why 
you know, having somebody like a Connor Nolan, a Patrick Wicklander, a, a tested veteran in that spot, it, it bodes well. And Hagen Smith is a wily veteran at this point after making 14 starts last year. You know, he was a Saturday night guy or number two after, you know, coming in as a freshman and a young freshman at that. So uh, he won't have any issues. Uh, the, the thing with being a Friday night guy is it's – the team is on your back, and you're going out there and starting the weekend off right. You know, Arkansas has had a really good run in the past 10 years, you know, 8 to 10 years. You go back to Blaine Knight, you know, 2017, 2018, Isaiah Campbell after that. Of course, we had Connor Nolan, Patrick Wicklander. Um, so, it's that they've had a really good run lately and had that long stretch of they weren't losing on Friday night, and that's that's something that they want to get back to. Well, and, and another thing they weren't really used to was was losing a lot of conference games. You know, they went eighteen and twelve in conference last year. So, what is what, what's going to be the biggest key? Yeah, to really get that back to where you are the number one, that supreme spot in the SEC, and we know that daunted Tennessee matchups coming in April. So. You know, what's the biggest key? Because we're talking about starters, but what have we got in the bullpen? I mean, we know that they were the past couple of years, the bullpen's kind of getting roughed up and not really as deep as in years past. So are we going to have a deeper bullpen, or is it going to kind of be, again, relying heavy on our starters? You know, two years ago, it was all Kevin all the time with, with cops. And, you know, you had a couple of guys that you could really rely on. And then last year – you know, the biggest thing about returning to SEC supremacy is consistency. And I think you've seen that the last two years with what Tennessee did last year during the regular season and what Arkansas did two years before. Um, Tennessee's got the, one of the best starting rotations in the nation with Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, um, and then their third spot. And then they got a guy out of the bullpen in Camden Sewell. So having consistency week in, week out. And last year you had a roller coaster with pit, uh, starting pitching and then – the, towards the end of the year, your bullpen was better. You know, that first half of the SEC schedule when they were 11-4, and four, those starters were nails. You know, they were going six innings, and they had a streak of, I think, you know, six or six to nine games to where, you know, they were getting deep, and you could just turn it over the bullpen and go from there. You had Brady Tiger step up as a freshman and come in as a closer. So the second half of the year was just the opposite. Hitters had to hit if they wanted to stay in games, and sometimes they didn't, and it showed. So uh, you're going to have – last year was really kind of boom or bust, it seemed, with offense. I think you get a little bit more balance this year. You got a really true leadoff in Tavian Josenberger, uh, which Arkansas hasn't had, and that's no offense to Caden Wallace or Webb or whoever they put up there, but Josenberger is a leadoff guy. He's playing center. He's fast. He's quick twitch. So the offense is going to be there, I think, a little bit more. But the big thing with the bullpen, Porter, is these guys are going to be young, and they're exciting. Yeah. You, know, you got you got some 90-mile-per-hour arms, and when I say 90, I'm saying 90-plus. You know, those guys are under 93, 96. Gage Wood from Batesville, Christian Fouch, Ben Bybee. Ben Bybee is a big old boy, 6'4", 230, 240. Just hard thrower, you know. He's from the Upper Midwest, so you got guys like that, and then you got Sean Fitzpatrick, who's a freshman, a little funky left-hander. It comes out of a weird low three-quarter slot. He's gonna give guys fits. So you got some freshmen that are in there, and then you got some guys like Austin Ledbetter, um, who's gonna have an expanded role this year. Brady Tiger, what are they gonna do with him? Right now, he, 
closer setup guy. If he can go out there and get two or three innings, but the th- key with Brady is, of course, we know he's got the really good curveball, but can he locate his fastball? Can he command his fastball for strikes and pitch off that? So, you know, besides Kevin Copps, you can't be a one-pitch guy in this league. We, we've seen that. So, um, and teams picked up on that towards the end of the year. Uh, he can. He has the arm. He's gonna, He can run it up there 93, 95, 96. So, and he's got a slider to go with that. Um, so Brady, you know, the back end, I think it's really good. Zach Morris has had a rough spring so far. He's gotten roughed up, but you know, he's been pitching against the same guys for the last, you know, umpteen months now. And some of these guys have seen you for the last two years. Uh, so I, don't, I wouldn't panic too much about that yet. Uh, so you got a couple lefties and then some young righties in the bullpen that are going to step up. And as, as coach Van Horn said at the Swatters club, you'll see Gage Wood a a lot and seem early. I think he's one of those that can go out there and be battle tested. Um, and I talked like this about Jackson Wiggins too, and people thought I was a little crazy uh, because it was kind of a relatively unknown. I'll tell you something about Gage Wood. Um, he committed to Kansas State early on, and Arkansas wasn't ready to really pull the trigger yet because he really they didn't see the velo jump that he wanted to see. But the kid went from 83 to 88, 89 in one one summer and became a totally different pitcher. He worked on his body. He got in a situation to where those other teams were taking a look at him. So Arkansas offered, he, he took it, you know, a year ago. And it really, you know, it was a hard decision on him. You know, he was really bought into Kansas State, and it was something he, he battled with because he's a loyal kid. You know, he goes out there and competes. He's a bulldog on the mound. So uh, something like that really bothered him, but, you know, last couple of years there hasn't been a, a right-handed pitcher in the state of Arkansas who's been better. He's got over 250 strikeouts the last two years in high school and threw a no-hitter, uh, broke the single-game record for strikeouts in a, a game by a baseball pitcher, which, you know, if you know high school baseball in Arkansas, that's really big. So um, if you get guys like that that can go out there and compete for the hog for the Hogs now in, in their first year, I think this thing will be really exciting. And, of course, you know, you got the college baseball showdown. And then outside of that, you basically got a nice month of just series and, you know, Tuesday games. I think there was a Tuesday game against Grambling, and then there's like a Wednesday. All these games sprinkled in to really get before you go into La Tech, UNLV, and then Auburn. So, I guess for the ones that, you know, casual fans, you know, just how important is that month leading up to – between now and March 17th when Auburn comes to Fayetteville to get these guys developed, really get the, you know, your pitching rotation and, and your defense and where you want your lineups in the batting order? You know, that they really need to get the reps in. And, you know, last year during midweek games, Coach Van Horn played some of the younger guys, but really it was a starting lineup. This year it's going to be a little bit different. He's got some guys that he really wants to get at bats to see – how they can perform on the weekend. And uh, believe it or not, Coach Van Horn has shown if you can compete and perform well in midweek games, he gives you a shot on the weekend. Will McIntyre is a prime example of that. Austin Ledbetter was the same way. Kendall Diggs. Kendall Diggs started swinging it well in practice in midweek games. He got to start against Ole Miss last year. It's a walk-off home run. So um, you'll see you know, a few different lineups playing uh, guys at different positions. Brady Slavens may play third base some. You know, after a uh, press conference the other day and he's meet, meeting with the media, 
they want to be in certain situations to where they're not, you know, backed into a corner. So if they got guys on the bench that they need to bring in, they're going to bring them in and they're not going to lose anything defensively. That's the biggest thing you want to see. So, you know, if you're looking at some of the young guys like Jason Jones and Mason Neville, those were top 100 guys that turned down money to come to the University of Arkansas. They want to get on the field early. That's why they came here. So, uh, you know, getting as many reps to the guys like that will, will be key in how this team, how deep this team is come, you know, April and May. And do you think, you know, with, with the way the season ended and who it ended to, I, I know in other sports we can talk about, you know, rivalries and losing to that, you know, Ole Miss or a Tennessee. Do you think that plays into, you know, like Robert Moore and battles, these guys coming back to really not only try to get Dave Van Horden that – you know, the, the, that his elusive College World Series championship, but to really avenge that loss against Ole Miss and the way things ended against the team that, you know, for the most part, they had the best of. Yeah, and, and you know, Brady Slavens is one of those guys. He wants to come back, and he's been close two years in a row now. He got to be on a number one team for 20 straight weeks or however many weeks it was uh, and losing the Super Regionals. And then – Last year, you go on the road for the regionals. Then the super regionals, you go to North Carolina and beat those guys. Um, and then you lose to an SEC foe like that. But, you know, Ole Miss was legit. Yeah, they got in as one of the last teams, but all you need to catch is firing a bottle and so you can get there. And they did that. Man, it's going to be tough this year with the SEC. You got LSU, who is absolutely loaded. Transfer portal is very kind to those guys. Paul Skeens come in. He's a – you know, first-round talent, Tommy Tanks, Tommy White from NC State hit 27 bombs last year. He's going to be a DH third base. And then you got one of the best players in the nation, Dylan Cruz, out there in center field. So, uh, yeah, they're worthy of that number one ranking on paper right now. But as you see, the last two years, the number one team didn't make it to Omaha. So, what can they do? You know, you got to be consistent. If you take two out of three every SEC weekend, you're 20 and 10 at the end of the year, and that's a top eight seed. Uh, last year, 18 and 12 wasn't good enough because Arkansas's non-conference schedule wasn't very good. So, uh, Coach Van Horn beefed it up a little bit this year. They get to play, you know, at Louisiana Tech. That's really big. Or, and then they got the the three big Big 12 teams to start out with. Well, and me and Jacob talked last week about how daunting the, the there's a four-game stretch in the football season this upcoming season. And I'm looking at the baseball season. All right, yep. you go to Vanderbilt, you go to Mississippi State, you go to Georgia, you got Tennessee at home, but you go to Ole Miss and you go to LSU. Just yeah. you've been in this business a long time. Tell the fan like how difficult that schedule. If you're looking at 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 all the teams that you got to go to, and the one you get Tennessee at home, but just explain to the fans how difficult that looks like if you're looking at it on paper yeah two years ago they were saying the same thing because this is the this is the schedule from two years ago that they had so you're at lsu on the second weekend after auburn you know they start out with these alabama schools man you know alabama two years ago thumped them on friday night and then arkansas just went on the run of a lifetime so uh, it's going to be a one-game-at-a-time type deal. And I know that's coach speak. It's cliche. It's whatever you want to say. But that's the deal. These guys have to, they, these guys are preparing to play pro ball. And you're going to be competing against pro talent 
every week in the SEC. So, you know, to do that on the road, you know, every weekend's a battle in the SEC. You know that anything can happen at any time. But, you know, this is it's a pretty tough road to hoe this year because if you look at some of the polls, okay, let's look at D1Baseball.com right quick. Okay, so Ole Miss is number four. Tennessee is number two. You get them at home. But Ole Miss is on the road. LSU is on the road. Mississippi State has been up in some polls. Alabama's ranked number 20 this year. Brad Bohannon is doing a great job down there. So, you know, it's, it's Vanderbilt's number 10. They're a top 10, top 15 team, and they're the one you end the season with. Well, and if so, you look at the schedule, look who's look who's sitting there on a Tuesday-Wednesday in between the Ole Miss and Tennessee series. So you, you're playing at Oxford, at Oxford on April 8th. You're playing Little Rock, that daunted in-state school that you've yeah. had so much trouble with. You got April eighth at Ole Miss. You got a Little Rock eleventh and twelfth, and then you play Tennessee on the fourteenth again. Yeah, people <laughs> people have crazy. said. You know, yeah, pay, players have said before we we didn't come out too prepared <laughs> for that first game. I mean, when they got beat seventeen to seven, yeah. I think Casey Martin was the one that said it. he's like, eh, we weren't too ready and. You gotta be, you know, you can't take any days off. A lot of people don't watch baseball, especially major league baseball, because they don't think every team goes out to win every game. And it happens like that sometimes. Yeah. If it, it, it's the best two out of three or three out of four at the end of the year, you're sitting on top of the division. And it's the same way in college baseball. They want to win every game. Believe me, coach Van Horn is one of the biggest competitors out there, but you know, and they got the 10 run rule this year in conference play. If the coaches agree on it or if it's a travel date, and I know they had it in a Kentucky softball. I saw you posted that, that earlier. You know, it happens. Yeah. You know, they, they have a tie. You'll see a tie in college baseball this year because teams got to get on a plane. You know, they have a drop dead time that they have to be done. Two years ago, weather played havoc with that. You're playing a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series one week, and then you're doing it again next week. And then you may go Saturday and doubleheader on Sunday the following week. So, um, if you if you're down by nine or ten runs and you got a big series coming up, yeah, you'll get to see some young guys get some innings and on to the next one. So, do you think that that plays along with doing that, or I mean, what do you think bodes better if there's that ten run rule or when they try to do these two double headers with seven innings? I mean, how do you think that's beneficial that they do that, or does that throw your whole routine off of trying to fit two games? but you're shortening the, the innings of those games. Talking about when you go two sevens yes, on a Sunday yes. or Saturday. You know, we, I think Vanderbilt last year, we had to play a seven-inning game and lost. You know, we had to do that on the road. So, uh, you know, they, they want to get them in, and they want to get them in against the competition because you want to see, you know, how it affects the big picture of things. I, I'm a realist. I'm an, I'm an old soul when it comes to baseball. It should be nine innings. And, you know, for the 10-run rule – take it or leave it. You know, yeah. I think it's good in some way, but sometimes I don't think you really need it because take a look at Ole Miss two years ago when Arkansas got up on them, like, what was it? 13 to one or 13 to two. And they came back and took the lead and Arkansas beat them like 18 to 16. You get those games on Sundays in the SEC, not as much ever anymore because you got older guys that are able to come in through the transfer portal and, you know, pitch on Sunday. So, it, it, it happens, but, uh, you know, I, I like the nine-inning games. If you can move it up a day to take advantage of that, do it. I just think with how strategic you are about your rotations and keeping everybody in that same rotation and your relievers, I really think yeah. those two sevens just throw – and if you do that, say like 
the Ole Miss per se. You know, you're you've got to play Ole Miss two sevens on a, a Sunday. Then you're turning around on Tuesday playing Little Rock Tuesday Wednesday, and then you've got to get ready for your biggest series. That could throw your whole season off because if you get in a funk and you drop two out of three to Ole Miss, you drop one or two to Little Rock, and then you lose the series to Tennessee. I mean, just from the baseball standpoint, I mean, that could put you in a funk of trying to get out of this hole and getting back in the contention of the SEC tournament seedings. Yeah, it can, and that's why it's so critical to develop these younger guys early. You know, Coach Van Horn talked about who was going to be the fourth starter last year. It turned out to be Will McIntyre who they can plug and play, you know, usually it's that that guy is the one that starts the first uh, SEC tournament game. So you got to have that fourth starter and somebody that you can really rely on uh, going into that part of the schedule and say, okay, all right, so if we – if they're looking ahead and they – something like that happens, all right. So a freshman's going to start Tuesday against Little Rock, then somebody else will go. And if Hagen Smith is not ready to go or something like that, they can plug in that fourth starter, which, you know, could be a Cody Adcock, who's a Ole Miss kickback. Uh, he went to Crowder last year, but he's a new pitcher. And I think he's somebody that Razorback fans are really going to like. And uh, it just adds to, you know, those those homegrown boys, you know, Austin Ledbetter, Gage Wood, Cody Adcock. Uh, it's all in in-state talent. Jackson Wiggins, Peyton Paulette, going back. Connor Nolan, Blaine Knight. Arkansas has some really good baseball, and it starts at the high school level, and you know goes up. We're, I was talking to a coach today, and you know he had a freshman that committed to the Arkansas Razorbacks, and hadn't played a inning of high school baseball yet, but he's going to start for his high school team and be one of their top pitchers, in a, for a big team in one of the larger classifications. So. You know, the class of 2023 is down a little bit in terms of in-state talent that committed the Razorbacks, but 24 and 25, you got a lot of arms and you got a lot of guys that can, you know, come in and possibly fill, you know, one of those Friday night rolls in the future and keep the, the tradition going. Well, we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, you're really good at the, you know, the calming of the fans and, the, the you know, they lose to a little rock and the sky is falling <laughs> in, you know. Just with this fan base, I mean, with the youth and what you see in this team, it just kind of give some caution to the fans of say, hey, look, we might drop some of these games or we might lose two or three out of the – we might lose both the Little Rock games because you look at where they're sandwiched in between. So just give us the the, the fans, the outlook, what, what you predict they might do if you can. I know you have other entities that you write for. So if you haven't yeah. released it on that, you, you're, you're good there. But just like your outlook on the team, caution and, and prediction. You know, it's – we talked about that the other day, and I, I write for, you know, Hogbeat with, with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart and those guys. And we were talking about, you know, last year Hutch and I did a, a season prediction. We went week by week and game by game. By game. We're not, we're not going to do that this year because there's so much unknown. And you don't know what's going to happen with the – I call it preseason, but non-conference and then your conference play and then postseason. So we're going to kind of break it up in sections. But you got to remember that, Baseball is not like football or basketball in that it's – and I hate saying this, it's okay to lose a game and it not affect you too much. You know, last year Arkansas was a tail of two, two teams. And I mean, they started off really hot, 33-8. and eight, you know, it was Ridiculous. They were 11-4 and four in conference and then just absolutely imploded. They were seven and – or yeah, they were seven 
and eight over their last 15 conference games. Didn't host a game. You know, had to go on the road and do that. So, but at the end of the year, they're 46 and 21 and end up number four in the nation. So, what, you know, why are we losing our mind over dropping a couple of games? But that's the way yeah. Razorback fans are. They're passionate. It's going to happen. They're going to lose some games. And 18 and 12 with this schedule on the road, I'll take it. And I'm not, and if you do that, I still think you're right there at the you know bottom of the host. If you start out really good, you know go two and one, three and zero oh down in Arlington next weekend. That's going to play even better. So I do think this is a forty win team. I do think they have a shot to get to Omaha. Yeah, it's they're going to have to wade through the waters of the SEC, and they'll be battle tested by the time they get there. And freshmen coming in aren't freshmen anymore, guys. They they've played against some of the best talent in the nation before they even step on campus with travel ball and the way it's gotten these days. So if they can come in and do that and start competing and they don't, you know, start season up too much when the, you know, lights are bright and you got 13,000 people and they're throwing stuff at you at duty noble or Alex box. By the time you get the TD Ameritrade, you're going to be okay. Well, that's what I <laughs> There's a Division two school in South Carolina. I almost went there out, out of high school. It was North Greenville. They ended up winning the national championship last year. Small Christian school. Well, they ended up going to get to play in a Major League Baseball stadium, and the coach was quoted as saying, we're here to hit pop flies and home runs. He said, we'll worry about, we'll worry about our season, but these guys will never, ever get the chance to play in a Major League stadium again probably. Who wouldn't want to come hit? And he said that candid on an interview. And I really like that, that the fact that he, you're going in there loose. Like you said, it's okay to drop a game. It's like, I don't care if we lose every game. I want our guys to come down here and have fun. And like I just thought it was funny that he said, we're going to hit a lot of pop flies and a lot of home runs. So we might get two hits the whole series. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'll go in and they'll compete down there. And it's just going to be like every Dave Van Horn ball club. They're going to play hard. And – they're going to have a chance to win every game. If you look at the year they went 50 and 13, sands the Alabama game where they got blown out and blown out of the water, you know, they had a shot just about every game they were in. So, well, and um, I think Dave Van Horn took yeah, that personal. Yeah, fun, exciting team to watch. <laughs> I, I said, I think Dave Van Horn, he had that Michael Jordan thing. He, he took that personally because that, yeah, that sparked a little bit. <laughs> but hey, man, I, Cabo, always appreciate you coming on. It starts all down here. You're going to be down there. Guys, follow him. Cabo, baseball guru for all the latest. Uh, does the best job in the state of keeping up with the high school, the travel, and, 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 and the college. Uh, very proud of what you've done. I mean, you being the host here and then going on doing which thing, doing things, moving up with D1 baseball. So, like I said, between you, you and Kyle, man, I couldn't be more proud of our little HTP tree we got going on here. That's right. It, it, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, you never get where, where you came from. So, that's right. I uh, appreciate it, buddy, and uh, looking forward to a big season. That's right. Well, that will do it for this segment. We're going to take a little commercial break. After the break, we'll bring Jacob on to recap what me and Cabo talked about and go over the basketball's rough uh, game against Mississippi State. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in south-central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. 
McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They are located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. And we want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk Podcast. We bring in Jacob Davis. Jacob, me and Cabo were talking, and you know how we were talking last week about how the daunting four-game stretch with, with the football team. We, we were just going over the baseball series. All right, so you remember the four-game stretch I talked to you about with the football. All right. Yeah. April 6th, 7th, and 8th, Arkansas baseball goes to Ole Miss. Yep. Tuesday and Wednesday, they play Little Rock. That following Friday, Tennessee comes to town. So which one would you think is the toughest? you talking about a 10-day stretch from the 6th <clears throat> to the 16th where you're playing Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Little Rock, Little Rock, Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. I mean, that's that's a pretty daunting stretch when it comes to the baseball team. That's definitely a, a daunting eight-game stretch because you're playing two rivals uh, right back-to-back, and then you got an in-state school uh, in between. Uh, everybody hates Ole Miss. Like, I mean, they they just they just had that swag about them that you know you just you just love to hate them. And then Tennessee comes in with the evil gremlin from Arkansas. Uh, Tony Costello, or not Tony, oh my gosh, I messed up his Vitello. name. Tony Vitello. Tony Vitello, yeah, messed up his name. Uh, I was thinking of Perry Costello, too. I was just thinking about him a little bit ago after a tweet. If we if you don't remember Perry Costello, that's uh, one of the famous, infamous uh, uh, officials, umpires out there. But, yeah, that that is going to be a rough stretch of games. Uh, I, I really think Arkansas is going to – DDH is going to have them focused for both of those games. They're huge series. One's on the road, one's at home. And then don't forget about it in May, the first week of May, they had Mississippi State. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's a three-game home series. And uh, my wife's cousin plays for Mississippi State. I have no rooting interest for him. I hope he does well, despite Arkansas beating them or sweeping them. You know, I hope he does well. But, but yeah. I just don't uh, – I feel like Arkansas is set. I think they are a 40-win team. I do believe that they have the pitching. Uh, it, it, they lost – you know, they lost Jackson Wiggins this past week uh, due to Tommy John surgery. But if you could afford to lose anybody at any position group, it is pitching because DBH has even said this year they have one of the deepest uh, pitching staffs uh, that they've ever had on the hill. So that's saying something. Well, yeah, and, and they're in their uh, SEC, man. It, it's just it's loaded. They got to go to LSU. Yeah, they go to Ole Miss. They get Tennessee at home, but then they've got to go to uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, and they got to go to Vanderbilt. That's one I didn't even yeah. mention to Cabo, but it seems he said it was a schedule from two years ago, man. But it seems like they just got. You want to talk about a team with, that's yep. trying to reload and and. and get their dominance back at the number one team in the SEC, this is going to be a tough schedule. I mean, when we say the football schedule, this is going to be tough. This is going to be – this is really going to be tough for Arkansas to – you know, they finished 18 and 12 last year in the conference. It's going to be – if they – like he said, if they finish 18 and 12 this year, they've done something incredible with this schedule. And and that's the thing about college baseball. You can lose games and – 
and still make it to the uh, college or college world series and the NCAA tournament. Like you're like you can you can go five hundred in the SEC play and and sneak in as an at large bid in the NCAA tournament in college baseball. That's just that's just how respected the SEC is and it's how respected Arkansas is under DVH. We'll move on to the basketball, and, man, I tell you what, um, you know, I'm going to be quite honest. There's a lot of people that's making a lot out of this game that that they shouldn't because, I mean, dude, you can go back to the 2000s with Stansberry, and and Arkansas has always had problems with Mississippi State. It's that one school. It's like an Ole Miss in football or or Texas A&M. In football, that team that you're always 50-50 against, and if you win, you lose. But, you know, you're trying to get Nick Smith Jr. back in the lineup. You know, and, and yeah. long road head. We still got plenty of time between now and SEC tournament. You're sitting Absolutely. at 500 in the SEC. You know, he gets 17 minutes. He t- put up seven shots. He was one for four, three, two for seven overall. And people are like, well, now that he's back, now what? I mean, it was his very first game. I mean, what do you expect out of this team? I and mean, I don't know if they expected to come in and run 40 minutes and score 30 points or what, but, I mean, it, this was one of them games that they lost. It's not a bad loss because they have always played against this team tough no matter what. Yeah. And in Mississippi State, man, they are solid. They are very physical. This isn't the first time this season that uh, Mississippi State has gone against a, a team that – they shouldn't be beating or have any business beating, but because of their defensive philosophy, mm-hmm. they've stayed in these games. And I mean, they they lost by three to Alabama. They beat a ranked uh, Marquette team. They beat a ranked TCU team. Like this team is stout, man. They're in the top fifty in the net rankings, which is which is really good. Uh, I mean, they they are a bubble team, and and yeah, they're four and seven in conference, but they were they started the the SEC schedule. Ofer, yeah, Ofer. I mean, and they uh, drilled off five wins in a row. Like they, they've come from from the pits of the SEC cellar to being a respectable uh, SEC team. And it took Christian some time to to uh, jail his roster. It's taken time to uh, get used to the speed of the game in the SEC compared to the uh, Western Athletic Conference. But he's done a really good job. And and and. Jans is a heck of a coach. Arkansas played him last year uh, in the uh, round of 32 when he was at New Mexico State and and almost beat Arkansas within one possession. And yesterday, it was just the physical nature of them. Arkansas missed some easy shots at the rim. If they would have fallen, Arkansas could have won that game. If they would have shot a little bit better at the free throw line, they probably would have won that game at home. It's not a end-of-the-world situation. It's not a bad loss. And if anything, I'm not going to discredit Mississippi State for what they did at Arkansas last night. I'm not saying it's a bad uh, bad loss for Arkansas because it's not. It's really not. In the grand scheme of things, Arkansas could lose this game, and they did, and and it not hurt their NCAA tournament seating moving forward. It's not going to hurt them. Yeah, they need to finish out this next six-game stretch before SEC tournament play at least three and three, but this Mississippi State loss did not kill them because, I mean, they could go on the road, beat Alabama, beat Tennessee, and uh, win it, uh, win against Kentucky at home, and everything's completely fine, and you win 20 games. It's going to be okay. The, the, the point that Arkansas can't get into is where you have to start determining and, and counting on getting a certain amount of wins in the SEC tournament yeah. for, to, for your seeding. 
that that's a that's a, a very sticky situation you get yourself into. You want to go into the SEC tournament knowing that okay, we might be a six or seven, or we might be a ten or eleven. But if you go in there hoping that you have to win two, three games in the SEC tournament to get that seven seed or get a ten seed, you don't want to be in that because then you could find yourself in the playing game. Right. Another thing is, you know, this these slow starts. You know, they were. Nine for twenty six in the first half shooting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and, and two for eleven, you know, from the three point line. You just cannot, you cannot get in these slow starts. And this is not just to do yeah. with anything with Nick Smith Jr. being in no. back in. And and like on the and, defensive side, it ain't like you had one guy that hit twenty seven points or thirty. They had four guys. Tolu Smith had eleven. Yep. Cameron Matthews had ten. Shaquille Moore had twelve, and then Deshaun Davis had seventeen. You know, yep. and it's not like they just drew. I mean, they only hit six threes. This was yep. a grinded out game, and they just didn't have the grinders in there to to pull right. out this game. And in my opinion, this loss was not on Nick Smith. Nick Smith's trying to get back into into a game flow. The guy hasn't played since December seventeenth. That's a long time not to be on the court in a in a uh, regular season matchup. And and I mean he was not in game flow and it's not loss is not on him. If if Arkansas didn't even play him yesterday, I don't think they would have won anyway. Yeah, they wouldn't have. The, I mean they just Anthony Black was doing everything that he could do. Yeah, there was a couple of turnovers there uh, in the first and second half where Anthony Black uh, would pass the ball to the side of the court and Nick Smith would be floating at the corner. And that's just part of the thing of guys needing to be adjusted to uh, team chemistry, team flow, and it's going it's going to work out. I mean, Nick's. I mean, it was like that the first game that Nick Smith played in uh, during non conference play, where they had to get used to each other, and and it'll gel. And I think Arkansas will be better from it. But I don't I don't think uh, even if Nick Smith had not played the uh, on Saturday, I don't think uh, it would have made any difference. Yeah, and you've got three games coming up that are perfect to really get him back in that yeah, lineup because absolutely. you got A&M, Florida, Georgia. Then before you got at Alabama, at Tennessee, and at Kentucky. So it, it, it's imperative. You have to. This is just – you. I think you have to win two of these three next games. Because absolutely. you've got Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Because like I said – you lose two or three of these games now, you're counting on having to win two or three of the games against Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky, and then having a good performance in the SEC tournament. So I think winning two of – I would yeah. love for them yeah. to go three for three in this. But if they go two out of three – but and I'm saying that because Texas A&M is always a hard place to play. It's 8 o'clock, you know, on a Wednesday. So you got the late game. But if you go – say you go – Three and three in the next six games. That that's going to set you up where you're still right there at 500 in the SEC going into you know the SEC tournament to where you're you're not now you can't win three and then lose three. You're 0 for three in the last three games and and it going on your seating coming into the tournament. Right. But like I said, it's just going to but with Kentucky down. I tell you what, at Tennessee, you know them losing. You know that that's these games are winnable. Even the Alabama games, winnable. If you get Nick Smith Jr., everybody jailed back into it. But to sit there and say that it was Muss's fault for even bringing him back in and, you know, all these people that really wanted him to come back, when's he coming back, when's he coming back, he comes back and then everybody's like, well, he shouldn't have come back. He should. I mean, that's like 
Some of these people yeah. just can't be happy. They're always pissing no. and moaning about something. And I'm just like, are, are we really doing this? He comes back, gets you 17 minutes. Yeah, he, had, he was rusty. That's what you expect. But you've got three games coming up that he can get fine-tuned and ready to go for Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Yeah. And is the Georgia and Florida – are uh, one of those is like the, on the road, isn't it? Is it the Florida game that's the on Texas the road? The Texas A&M game is the only one of those on the road. You've got Texas A&M. Oh, so they get – Florida and Georgia okay. back-to-back See. at home. Oh, wow. That's that's that was that's great. So, yes. I'm thinking if you can protect home court, even if you go to Texas A&M and, and lose that game, which, you know – Heaven forbid they not because, I mean, Razorback Nation will melt down again. Heaven forbid that from happening because, I mean, that's just that's just unacceptable. Look, guys, Mississippi State's had Arkansas's number for since 2016. Like, Arkansas is 3-8 and eight against the Bulldogs. That, that's under uh, Ben Howland, and that's under, uh, under uh, Jans, and then they had what was, issues. Was it Rick Stansberry? Them. Was that his Yeah, Rick, it was yeah. Rick Stansberry, yeah. who's now at Western Kentucky. They could not win a win on the road at Mississippi State. I don't think it happened more than twice under Stansberry. Uh, man, they they were so tough. Mississippi State's always tough. And people say, oh, this poverty program. I hate the term poverty program. Yeah. Because teams can sneak up and beat you on any single night. And they're, I just hate the freaking term poverty program because you're making an excuse. So what does that make your school – if a team comes in and, and beats you, does that mean you're a poverty program too? No. Any team can beat anybody on every, any single night. And and Mississippi State's far from being a poverty program. Well, and you got A&M coming up. You know, they're 7-2, so this will be yeah. one of them wins that, you know, you, when you're looking at beating teams above you, they won 81-70. Uh, Ricky Council and Davis had 19 and Black had 11. So – Say if you can get Nick Smith Jr. to give you seven, eight points. He don't have to come in and give you 19 points. If he comes in and gets you, I would say, seven to ten points, a couple assists, gets you 20 to 25 minutes, you slowly start entering, get him in more minutes, <clears throat> depending on how healthy he stays. Yeah. <clears throat> that's going to bode well. So, you know, it, it's, and he, go ahead. He looked good defensively. Like he's one of the better on-ball defenders. He's he's on that level of Devo. And even if he would have got some of those shots to fall, like those shots that he took last night were not terrible shots. I saw two of them that if they would have fallen, he probably would have taken more shots uh, throughout that second half because his stroke looked good. Like nobody could hit the broad side of a barn. They it's like there was a lid on the rim. Uh, as cliche as it sounds, like there. I mean, I think Smith. I don't, I don't think he took any bad shots. I don't think he took any ill-advised decisions. That, there was only but, uh, one. I mean, there, there was one. I, I will critique one of his shots. that they were, Okay. <clears throat> I can't remember what point in the game it was, but it was a fast break in transition, and he just shot a three. Okay. I, it was at a yeah. point, and I think yeah. they, were, they, were, they were closing in on the lead, or there was a point in the game where they were really. So I think that might have been a Devo Davis shot. I don't. It was. It I, was I remember it was Devo. He checked one with about 16 seconds left on the shot clock in the second half, and I was thinking that was a ill-advised yeah. shot. Now you you may be thinking of another play that I'm not thinking of, but I do remember Devo taking <clears> a shot with about 16 seconds on the shot clock with about three minutes to go 
And I was thinking, uh, that shouldn't have done that, Devo. Yeah, I, I don't. I think we're talking about two different ones. Okay, uh, but I okay. know there for a fact, Nick. Smith, he come down. But like I said, that's just if that's the only thing that we can critique of that. But what what I wanted to bring up, and that's to the people, you know, again, the casual fans, people who follow basketball. You got to realize this guy's got a knee injury, and, and whatever you're doing, whether you're shooting and cutting and defense. If you're not 100% confident in a game-time game speed, we're talking about practice speed and game speed. If you're trying to guard somebody game speed, you're trying to shoot game speed, if you're for a split second thinking about your knee and you're worried about your knee, it's going to affect your shot. It's going to affect your defense. It's going to affect your cutting. That could be the difference when you're getting open and not getting open. That could be the difference when being short and long. So give that's why I want to say this game it was a wash because he's got to get confident in his knee in a game time situation. So this Texas A&M game coming up is going to be really important when it comes to all right. Let's see if there's progress. That's what you always want to see when you're coming off an injury. All right, how much better now does he look coming off cuts? You look at the little things when he's getting his shot up. Does he get a good bend in that shot to where he's comfortable in? Because you can tell when a shot's rushed or long. You can just tell in the mechanics of a shooter. If he comes in more confident than he did against Mississippi State, because, again, when you're playing against a physical team, you're going to be more aware of re-injuring that knee. It's just how you're mental. You've got to get your mental in tune with your physical. I think this game coming up against Texas A&M is going to be that kickstart to where, like I said, staying healthy, they give him 20-25. He might get you 10 to 12 points. He might spark a run that can really cap off the win. Yeah. Do you start him on Wednesday night? No. I don't I don't think you start him because, like I said, you only played him 17 minutes. Yeah. Get him in the groove. Let's let's get him in the groove of playing, and then, then you elevate him to starter. Not saying he's not good enough. Okay. You know, but that's what right. I would do. Get the guy comfortable because now you're skipping a step. You're rushing him back to starting before he's even got to the point to where he's comfortable in the role you're giving him in as it right. is. Bring him in, boost yeah. his confidence up where he knows he can go out and hit the hit the twos and threes. Let him let him drive the basket and, and get bumped and land on the floor. You know, let him really get tested and get physical and where he gets that confidence because that's what's really going to happen. Somebody's going to hit him, he's going to fall, or he's going to take a, a a cut and he's going to be okay. And it's all going to start clicking. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Mikel Mitchell? Uh, Hadn't yeah. he been a bright spot over the past month? You know what? You want you want a dog to come in there, and yeah. how he's coming in and he's know, starting now. You know, you got nine. He got nine points the last time they played. I mean, you've had thirteen. He had thirteen. Mikel had thirteen and nine the last time they played. Yeah. Uh, Makai had. Um, he had five rebounds and six points. But, yeah, no, I'm very surprised on how both of the Twins have been playing because you, those are those glue guys that you want to come in and give you, like, a, what Kamani Johnson was doing, you know, what, you know, Jalen Graham does. You know, he played 12 minutes the last time, had five points. If you can get these guys to come in, Makai come in gave you 15 minutes, but he had six points. He was a positive eight on the plus minus when he was on the floor. That's what's going to be right. the key to, I mean, these role players that come in, because now we're at the point where, you know, you got Anthony Black sitting at 37, 39 minutes, Ricky Council 39. You know, you're starting to get guys come in and produce and taking some of these minutes away. 
but yet they're producing the same. That's going to be key when it comes to tournament time. That's going to be huge. Yeah. Mikel Mitchell, though, I mean, he's had uh, since since that A&M game, nine points, five points, 15 points, and six points. But you look at his block numbers. Mm-hmm. He has, let's see here, seven, eight, uh, 13, 16 blocks in the last four games. That includes that seven blocks that he's uh, – seven blocks that he had against A&M. He had three against Baylor. Uh, he's had a block in every single game since the Alabama game. He's had at least one block. And uh, two blocks in three consecutive games and then seven and five blocks. I mean, he's just been a rim protector, a guy that's uh, not afraid to go up after you and, and be physical with you, and that's what you need if – uh, uh, and that's what Arkansas needed last year, especially after uh, what they had to go up against with uh, was it Smith and uh, was it Mark was it Mark Smith is that the guy's name from Duke and Paulo uh, oh, Benchero Benchero I can't remember the other guy names but yeah, yeah Benchero yeah there was Mark I think it was whoever it was he's like seven foot one seven foot two and Musselman took you know took offense to that yeah. And like, like like Michael Jordan said, I mean, I, I took offense to that and and went out there and got him some big men. I yeah, mean, that's Mike a Barry Aaron, like, Johnson. Uh, yeah, yeah, like uh, like uh, uh, Nolan said, you know, went out there and got me some men. Yep. You need to get me some men. And and Mikhail and Makai have been absolute men, uh, especially Mikhail. I've been really impressed by his progression throughout the season. It's kind of like. You remember how Adriel Bailey was mm-hmm. his first year under Musselman. He was he was a liability throughout the first half of the season, but then he started hitting a groove and and started becoming somebody that you could depend on in the post, even though he was only six foot six. And that was maybe on a good day. <laughs> yeah, and, and another but, thing yeah, that he's, another thing that's positive too is I know as a whole we could say that you know as a team they're shooting sixty nine percent, but Anthony Black went five for six and Ricky Council went eleven for thirteen. Devontae yeah. Davis went two for two. So if you've got your core guys, that the ones that you can lean on that are going to get fouled at the throws. end of the game, that's going to be another big deal. Of course, we can point out the numbers, you know, 18 for 26 as a team. But when you got your core guys right. giving you free throws, it, it's just one of them deals that can really help you close out these games. But these next three games are very important when it comes to closing out the games, winning these games, because you've got A&M on the road and you got two at home before the final three stretch. Again, that way you're not putting as much emphasis on those final three games. They're already big enough as it is. You don't need any more added pressure when it comes to you've got Tennessee, Alabama, and Kentucky. You put those names on the board, and that should be all you need to do to get you motivated enough to come in. And so if you start losing these games, you're putting more pressure on yourself to win these games that are going to be tough as it is, and then you start playing you start playing a game that's not your game. Right. Yep. And, uh, you know, Arkansas, their free throws attempted is 33rd in the country uh, at 22 uh, attempts per game. And they've been up here recently. I believe Arkansas shot more than that over the past three or four games. Um, I'd have to pull that up. But, yeah, they are shooting the free throws a lot better. I mean, obviously, you can't always depend on your big men to shoot free throws because I don't know how – I don't know why it's so hard for big men to go out there and just nail them uh, consistently. 
I mean, I was watching NBA games today, and I mean, Jalen Tatum uh, for for uh, Boston, which he, I mean, he's a big guy, and he's he's six eight, six nine, going up there to the line and just hitting them consistently, 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 and it's just hard for. I mean, that's the next level thing for for big men is. Uh, to be more consistent on free throws. But like you said, if your guards are hitting it and, and hitting it at a high rate, like 85 to 90% uh, most times, like, I mean, you're going to be unbeatable, especially the way the fouls are being called in college basketball right now. Uh, but, I mean, Arkansas has been in the top five or top ten in, th- uh, in free throws attempted and free throws made. Uh, for the first three years under Musselman. And this year they've dipped into the 40s. But that's because they don't have that uh, alpha score, a guy that has the mentality to go into the lane. I mean, you have that Anthony, you have that Anthony Black. But for some reason, though, Anthony Black doesn't get as many fouls. Uh, drawn I think it's because he's, he's bigger. Because he's bigger. Yeah. If that was a note yeah. type person, you yeah. know, going in there, you're going to get the, you're, it's just the benefit yeah. of. Especially when you're six call. foot two, six foot exactly. three. Yeah. So and 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 Devo's starting to get to where he will go and drive the lane more, and and I like that about his game. You and Ricky Council will do the same, but you know those guys are bigger guards, and and that's that's the price you pay right now under Musselman. Is is I mean, yeah, you get bigger physical guards that want to get downhill, but you don't get as many fouls called against uh, against your opponent too, but. You know, things will change throughout the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament because, I mean, that's just that's just the nature of the game. Is is games are called differently uh, officiating-wise uh, once you get to the NCAA tournament. Hopefully we'll see that change and Arkansas can be more of a mega-scoring threat from the line than what they've been throughout this season. Yeah, and, and you know, A&M hasn't lost since the game against Arkansas. Um, so, you know that's going to be another one that – you know, they want to advance that loss in Fayetteville. They want to get that yeah. home game back. So they want to move to eight and two and, and really get their, you know, their double bye. Because if they go on a little skid, that could be that difference between them getting a double bye and not. So there's a lot on the line for Texas AM too. And we're not really used to seeing that with the Texas AM team being that high up in the conference. But, you know, this is going to be a very important win or game against uh, Texas AM. But, I see yep. Arkansas winning just because I think things are going to start clicking. Um, that the game, this game against Mississippi State, to me, it's you're you're bringing somebody back in, getting him healthy, and you're worried about more of doing him right opposed to rushing him in, trying to give him more minutes than he needs. Yeah, trying to count out as uh, Arkansas's two and six since uh, Texas A and M uh, joined the SEC in road games. Uh, Arkansas's won uh, two road games. Uh, that was the last one was back in 2019. They won 73-71 there, and then the last one before that. Let's see, Arkansas won. Let me let me find it here. I just had it. Uh, 62 to 60 in 2017, uh, and that both of those wins were under Mike Anderson. So. Uh, Arkansas, they've they've they're three three and three under Eric Musselman uh, against A and M, thirty eight and thirty nine all time in, on the road against Texas A and M. Arkansas holds a one hundred six to fifty nine advantage all time against the Aggies. So that uh, I mean, Arkansas historically been a better team 
better program than what A&M has been. But, you know, A&M has had their number since joining the SEC, especially when it comes to going to A&M and, and inking out a win. Two yeah. and six. We'll, we'll see how crazy. it plays out. I mean, like, we're, we're, we're at the downhill stretch. It's crazy how fast the basketball seasons came and went. But we're, we're at the final, yeah. you know, final couple of weeks of, you know, and we're March Madness is just a few weeks away. So, um, Jacob, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you, you want to add or, or, or discuss before we, we end this? As far as I know, man, I think I'm good. Uh, I think I've said a lot in the last 30 minutes. So, uh, I mean, I'm good to go. I think the Hogs have a good chance, uh, especially uh, Arkansas plays their best when they're coming off a loss, especially a loss of uh, uh, and an embarrassing loss is what Muslim would call it. And I think these guys are going to uh, link together and go out there and play their best ball. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I say since Kentucky, which was <laughs> one week ago, but, you know, they – they have a bad taste in their mouth. I think Arkansas goes out there and, and fights and claws and comes out of uh, College Station with a victory on Tuesday or Wednesday night. It'll be Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. It will be shown on ESPN2, uh, so stay tuned for that. But uh, tomorrow night we will have uh, Danielle Musselman come on the show for our weekly women's sports report. We are expanding it to an hour, our first hour show uh, presented by Hotworks out of Springdale. So – you know, very excited to extend that to an hour. Really excited to talk to uh, Danielle Musselman about uh, all the things she's got going on in Northwest Arkansas. So tune in tomorrow, 6 o'clock p.m. for that. But for Jacob Davis, I am Porter Hayes. Enjoy the last two minutes of the Super Bowl. It's 35-35 right now. Chiefs got the ball. So, hey, I know we ain't got huh. many people tuning in. They've got this thing called the Super Bowl going on right now. So, But catch us upon the podcast on our YouTube channel on all platforms as well as Buzz2 in Central Arkansas. And we are presented by Bet Online and a part of Believe and Buzz Radio Networks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.